Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. So sunny out. There's so many things you could be doing, like tanning at 8 in the morning or something. It's warm, isn't it? It's warm. You could probably see a little sunburn up my nose. We went to the lake and I just... Just forgot about sunscreen because I was so excited about the sun. So welcome here again. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors on staff and just grateful for another opportunity here. I just, I have to say it, I just, I'm so honored and blessed every time I get an opportunity to preach. And so I just want to say thank you to Andy. I know he's not here today, but thank you to him for allowing me this opportunity, the LT. Um, just even this congregation that continues to encourage myself and the younger team. And I'm just, I'm grateful every moment to, to research, to read, and to preach. And so we are in week four of our series, The Christian Walk, where we've kind of been, you know, walking through the book of Ephesians, but not necessarily verse by verse or even um, section by section. Primarily, we're actually taking every time that Paul uses the word walk. He says it seven or eight different times, and he kind of uses it throughout the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church in Ephesus, or, or actually, it's, it's, we'll get to more, it's actually so central to Paul that this letter would have been spread to many churches. And we're taking this time to kind of look at the way by which he tells us to walk out our faith. Because isn't that one of the more mo- most central things that we always talk about, we ask questions about, about like, how do I take this beautiful work of salvation in my life and then practically walk it out every single day. Because we spend 30 minutes or so looking at the scriptures, depending on who's preaching, right? 30 minutes or so, uh, looking at the scriptures on Sunday. But truth be told, we're, we're actually walking this out much more on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And so it's, it's so our heart to look at this and to really ask ourselves, as a church of next steps, Right? The church that is our heart to say it is our job for every believer to know Jesus, to know the beauty of Jesus, and to help you and myself and all of us to take next steps in our spiritual journey. How do we actually do that? And so it just so well lines up with the heart of this church. And this book, again, this letter is so central to Paul's writing. In fact, the original manuscripts in, at the top of Ephesians doesn't actually say to the saints in Ephesus. Meaning this, this letter would have been passed around to many churches, uh, similar to like Romans. Like it's just, it's a full-bodied letter with so much in it. Galatians was very much targeted, Paul's angry letter. Corinthians was kind of this Q&A, and Colossians, a little bit of a smaller like church plant. And you can see Paul's heart in that letter to help them, this young church. But this, friends, this is, this is a large church in Ephesus for sure. We know it's, it's widespread and it has many... Many people attached to it. It's a large community. And this letter would have gone out to many people. And so this letter almost serves as a recap from Paul a little bit, similar to something like sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. It's fairly step by step. But in chapter four, everything kind of switches. And so no more context of one, two, and three after this moment, okay? Ephesians four, everything kind of moves. The first three chapters, Paul has explained who we are in Christ. Like we sang this morning, so beautifully by the team, that like children of God, the Holy Spirit in us, like immeasurably more, that it is by grace we have been saved, not by our own work so that no one can boast, Ephesians 2. And he kind of paints this beautiful picture of salvation and, and this process by which we start of sanctification, looking like Jesus every day, and now it begins to switch. It's less about who we are in Christ and now more about the manner or the life or the way we walk it out and live and how we are 
through Christ. Everything switches here. And you're going to see it. Like he, in, in Ephesians 5 and 6, he'll say, like, you are children of light. Walk as children of light. And then he gives an explanation. Or, or walk in love. And then he gives an explanation. Similar to the Sermon on the Mount. He'll say, it'll say something like, love your neighbor as yourself. Explanation. You're the salt of the earth. Explanation. So you can see how this is happening. You can see this beautiful biblical doctrinal foundation that Paul is laying out. And I say that because it's so important that we have a biblical foundation. Amen? Like, it really is the heart of this church. I hope you know that. Like, he took three chapters and laid it out so perfectly for us because you need a strong biblical foundation for further growth in the Christian walk. If you're new to Christ, if this is recent for you, I want you to know how important it is that your foundation is, is on Jesus and it is biblical. It's not on necessarily just a church or, 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 or one sermon, but it is on Jesus. Amen? If you're not new to faith, if you're old in faith, I, that's not a good term. We won't use that term, okay? But if you, if, you have a, if you have a faith, friends, how important is it that we remain faithfully, steadfastly, like foundationally on Jesus? A lot of stuff, like Pastor Laura was saying, there's so much stuff happening in our world today. And I feel like a biblical worldview, a biblical foundation has never been more important. That's why Paul takes so much time. Because if one thing switches, if we go from, it is by grace you have been saved to, it is by your good works you have been saved, a lot changes really fast. So, so get ready, because Ephesians 4, everything's changing. Are you ready for this? Verse 1, Paul's about to change it up on us. Are you awake out there? Okay, we're ready, because it's about to change, friends. I'm serious. This is like, he switches into a whole new gear here. It's not light, it's, it's real. And so it says this, this is verse, uh, excuse me, chapter four in Ephesians, verse one. I believe it's page 948 in the blue Bible in front of you. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, Paul's writing, so everything I've just said, everything you've heard, therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There's that term walk. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with another in love. Two verses in, there's a lot there. Wor worthy, being worthy. Walk in a manner worthy of which do you have been called. This, I've, I have lost a preacher, but this kind of just stopped me all week long. All week long, I'd be like, hey, let's read this again. Okay, I got to verse one. Like, it was like, man, what a, what a text. What a way to write Worthy, this Greek word axios, it's only used six times in the New Testament, really, we see. And it's interesting the way it's paired. They're going to throw, throw them up here. And I'm just going to race through them because we don't have time to break down all these verses. We're going to stick in Ephesians. But anytime you see this word worthy, it's always attached to God or the gospel. It's not something that he bestows upon us. He's saying, no, no, the thing I'm talking about, salvation, Grace, the gift that God has given you is such a powerful gift that we actually have to recognize how, how big of a deal it is to walk worthy in such a way to honor it. In Romans 16, that you might receive from the Lord being worthily of, of, of saints. Ephesians 4.1, I just read. Philippians 1, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Colossians 1, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of Again, he's saying it of God, that you would walk in a manner worthy of God, 1 Thessalonians 3 John 1, 6, to send them on their way in a manner worthy of Christ. Like, you sense in what I'm, saying, what I'm trying to say here with this word, this is a big deal. 
Don't minimize, friends, the cross by doing nothing with your salvation. Like, don't let it just be a gift you receive and then you tuck it away and never use it. Right? Like, he's saying, no, no, walk in such a way that you truly honor the cost of the cross. That you understand there was such a cost there that he literally died for you and for me. That salvation, like you were bought at a price, the Bible says. And he's saying, walk in such a way that you understand how big of a deal this is. That you actually honor not just the cost and the pain and the suffering, but you also honor the risen Christ, the one who defeated death. That he is deserving of praise. He is deserving of an honorable walk. Walk in that way. And he says it every single time. In all these verses, he's saying, this is, a, this is beautiful and it's a big deal. So when we walk, let us walk with, with, with honor and with love and with humility. This is the Christian walk that we would truly try to look more and more like Christ every day. You have gifts. You're his masterpiece in Ephesians 2.10. We, we, we already read. Walk in such a way that you understand his power. Walk in such a way that you understand the cost. When will you get serious? When will you stop just receiving and coming and doing your thing? Like, when will you become so serious in understanding that there is potential beyond what you can see, that there is growth in your walk? And I think for us as a church, as we read this, as Paul is saying, honor the cross, honor God, honor what he has done for you. Walk in such a way, walk in this way. I think the question for us is when are we going to get really serious about this because friends the world keeps shifting and i don't want to paint too much of an us and them picture that's not my heart at all but as things are changing as, as as laura said like when will we recognize and understand that god is calling us not just to 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 have him in our hearts but to live it out boldly and profoundly and with wisdom and with grace in truth and in grace when will we recognize that and get serious in the way we love people when will we get serious? At some point, we have to take this a little more seriously than just 9 a.m. on Sundays. And I know you know this. I know many of you know this, and you're doing it. I don't want to sound condescending. But it struck a chord with me, this first verse. And after that, he continues to write. He, he, says, he says, with humility and gentleness, patience. And, and again, I've heard sermons actually preached that these are the qualities that he's saying will help you in that walk, but I think those are all an accumulation of what he actually says afterwards. He says this, let's read it all together now. Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with another in love. Verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, this is verse four, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Eager, I urge you, his language is speaking volumes here. Maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He's saying, church, if you want to walk in a way that is noteworthy, if you want to truly walk in a manner worthy of the, the call, the, the gift of grace on the cross, you're going to have to do it in unity. 
you can't go over there, and this person's gonna go there, and we're just gonna do our thing in the way we think. No, no, as a church, as, as, the, as the fellowship of believers, if I can use that big Christian terminology, we have to remain unified. Be eager to maintain the unity with the bond of peace. Don't do it begrudgingly, I guess, fine. I'll just be unified with Pastor Ron, mostly because he scares me. No, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. In a time where your opinion matters most, right? Where your everything matters to everyone so you should post it all the time. In a time where all the information we receive is just polar opposites of really harsh opinions and we're not really sure what to say or do. Be eager to maintain the unity. Hear me, please hear me this morning. This might be the best thing I say. The church has to remain unified. We have to. The bride of Christ has to be steadfast and united. And we remain united by keeping our faith primary, by making Jesus the first value, the most important value, by keeping Jesus first, our faith first. That's why he gives us this wonderful doctrinal statement of one God, one baptism, one spirit. He's trying to say, don't get all clouded. Like, don't think you know better or this person said this. Because again, remember, this church is large, friends. I read one commentary, or maybe I even saw it in a post this week that said the church in Ephesus grew to over 20,000 people at one point. It's not a small church. This is a big church. Different backgrounds, different idea, like thoughts and ideas, and maybe even political voting, and maybe there's different like demographics and, and, and like whatever it could be, socially, economically. Like all of these things are involved in this church. And he's saying, be eager to have unity in the bond of peace. We can't be perfect on everything. You know, we can't nail every ministry perfectly for every person. There's no such thing as a perfect church. You've heard me say that. No church can perfectly fit every single person's every single need. And truthfully, I don't know if you want a church like that, that just caters to you and what you need every single day, every single moment. We should be stretching each other. We should be, be pushing each other and challenging each other. But we have to remain united, and we do that by keeping Jesus first. In Jesus, not in our ministry. In Jesus, not in our you know, preaching even all the time. No, not in our vision. In our faith in Christ. Hear me today. In our faith in Christ, we share one body. In our faith in Christ, we share one spirit. In our faith in Christ, we share our hope in our calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Father over all, in all. Can I get an Amen. Friends, we have to remain united, and around Jesus is where we do it. But even if there's a disagreement, even if there's, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I have, a, I have a different thought on that. We remain united. Can I give it just a practical thought on how you do this? This is just really helpful. And you know who does this? I've seen Andy do it. I've seen Lisa do it. I've even seen Ron do it, where sometimes you take that thing that you're talking about, you're discussing, and you, and you, you kind of place it in the middle and say, okay, th this is the thing we're talking about, Right? This is the thing that we're talking about. Now, we can put that in the middle and say, we may not agree at the end, but first and foremost, we remain united in one thing, and that's our hope, and that's our belief, and that's our faith in Jesus. You actually have to separate the thing you want to talk about for one moment, just for a moment. You say, first, can we remain united? We're actually on the same team. This is the thing we're talking about, but we're on the same team. 
And so no matter what happens at the end, we say, we remain faithful and united in Christ. Paul lays down these doctrinal points to make sure we remember, as the church, that as we grow faithfully, right, and we walk in a manner worthy, we don't forget what keeps us together. This let us seek after. This was Charles Spurgeon. Let us live near to Christ, for this is the best way of promoting unity. I like this part. Divisions in churches never begin with those whom are, in, whom are full of love of the Savior. Man, we got to keep that so true to us, so deep. Now, again, I know we probably all have that question that you're thinking about. That's great. I get it. For inside the church, that's fine. But what about outside the church? How do we really strive for that? Because that's what he's, he's kind of put, pairing these together, isn't he? He's saying, like, we need to walk in such a way that's worthy of the call. Okay, we have that piece. But also remain unified as you walk that out. Great. So how do we actually walk that out? What's the next piece? And this is the tension that I believe Pastor Andy kind of brought to our attention last week, where Jesus really did walk in love, in humility, with patience, yet he stood for truth, right? We see that, justice and goodness. And so how, how does he, being Jesus, walk so perfectly the line of grace and truth? Well, he was grace and truth. We know this. So if we keep reading in this chunk of scripture, Ephesians 7 through 12, they're powerful, but we just don't have enough time to get through all of it to, to see it. So I'm gonna summarize most of what it said next. I, by the grace of God, we've all been gifted. And that's what he says, by the grace of God, we've been given gifts. And he actually lays them out, and many of you know this, as Paul, as Paul lays out the five full leadership steps and, and styles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And in that, it's kind of the job of us, the church, to equip the saints, everyone, you and me, disciples, to work, excuse me, for the work of the ministry, building up the body in Christ. Paul's reminding us that again, if you want to walk this out in unity, that it's not in your strength, but it is by the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit, you really are gifted to do incredible ministry together. One commentary paraphrased like this, he handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with gifts, filled earth with gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train, excuse me, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working with Christ's body, the church, until we're all mo moving rhythmically and easily with each other. I love that. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Now this is really important, and here's what I want to get at here. I read that this week with a new sense of joy and encouragement. And I've read this scripture lots. We use it obviously in the church world. Like, like this is, this is well-known scripture for many of us. We, we know this part of Ephesians. But I read it with a new sense of belief. I read it with a new profound thought of, of I think I, I know what maybe we're missing a little bit, what I'm missing a little bit. I am seeing a shift take place in the church, friend. It's beautiful, it's wonderful. For one, it's a shift of, in many ways, leadership. We see a lot of young people coming up, which is fantastic. I hope that encourages you. Every time you see a young person in leadership, every single time a young person is here serving at church rather than anywhere else that they could be, there's no greater encouragement to me when I see people who, like, were in our youth group, like, now living out the call of God on their life 
Friends, there should be nothing that unifies us and encourages us more than seeing the young generation rise up. It's a beautiful thing. And so I get so excited because I see this shift taking place. This hunger, this new, like, profound, like, tr- like real spiritual, like, aptitude and, like, hunger for God. In the church, we call this revival, right? We see this happen. And I know for many of you who are here, you're plugged in, you're serving, you're at church, you're coming to prayer on Tuesdays. You can sense this wonderful shift, this beautiful shift. Maybe it's just a shift out of COVID, maybe. But there is something so profound right now. And I'm seeing two things really take place and that will, I'll tie in with this scripture here. One, it's the revival of the Bible, which I know sounds odd. The Bible is the word of God and it stands the test of time. But what I mean is there is a newfound sense of how important this book is. That's what I'm saying. That people want to jump onto this quicker than anything else. That I see like young people, even younger than me, that's right. Like people who are like, I don't even want to be on Instagram anymore. Like, I don't actually enjoy it one bit. Like, there's new life, friends, and, and it's coming from this book that is alive and sharp and active and real. And you can sort of see this picking up. I want good theology. I want sound doctrine. I want to get deeper in the word. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's happening. And then secondly, I see this sort of revival of, of like, recognition as Christians of our spiritual unity, but also our spiritual authority. That when we walk, we don't walk alone. That when we walk, we don't walk in our gifts and our strength. But as we go, we go as apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. That as we go, we go with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not weird, that's profound and that's beautiful. And it's everything you need when you walk. And I think, I don't know, we, it was, I don't know if some of us forgot it or if, or if my generation forgot it, but I'm seeing it pick up again. Something is changing because revival starts first inside the church before it happens outside the church. And if we as the church begin to sense that and see that, if we actually get, understand that, that when we walk, we actually walk in unity, that we actually walk together, we walk gifted Everything changes. Because the next little bit of what Paul says here is this, and I'll read it out to you, and we're about to close. Ephesians 4, starting in this is verse 14. He says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Every joint, the body, equipped and gifted. When each part is working properly, it makes the whole, excuse me, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's what Paul is saying. Here's how we're shifting gears into Ephesians 5 and 6. He's saying, Live out, the, like walk in a way worthy of the cross. And how do you do that? You do that together. Together in your gifts. Recognize the spiritual authority and power that is available to you. Otherwise, we're just playing the world game, if you will. Otherwise, we're just doing things like they're doing. 
Friends, we are not the world. We don't, we don't live and walk in the way that culture does. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who is in our hearts, who has transformed us from the inside out, who is shaping us every single day to walk in a way that looks different than the world. So when we post things on Facebook that really, that's gonna stick it to him. No, Paul's like, no, no, no. That's the human, human cunning. Well, I'll be really crafty. I'll send my nephew the case for Christ. That'll get, no, I'm telling you, like to sit with him and to talk with him and to encourage him and to pray over him. It's different than what the world is saying. The world is feeding information. We don't feed information. We have a relational connecting God who says, I see you, I know your needs and I will love you. I'll be honest. I'll be truthful. I won't bend on what I believe. I have doctrine and foundational biblical worldview that I stand in, but I'm gonna love you like nobody else ever has. How do we do that? We do that gifted. There is gifts in this room that he's calling you to use and to live out. There are teachers and apostles, there's prophets, people who have words in here, who get words from God that you're supposed to tell your neighbor or your boss, and it's challenging and it's hard, but he's calling us to live and walk in this type of way that looks different than the rest of the world. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say today? And it's hard. It's not easy, but he's, that's what he's saying in Ephesians 4. He's really shifting the whole narrative. He's saying, you know the beauty that we have, so walk in it proudly and boldly. Don't bend on your, eth- on your biblical ethic, but walk proudly and boldly and just watch what will happen. Get serious. Know that you're graced and you're gifted. Challenge yourself this week. I'll say one story, and the team, can, you guys can join me now. They're gonna get ready and we will sing. I wasn't gonna share this story. But I, I recently was at Starbucks going through the drive-through and uh, my drink wasn't ready and I knew it was gonna happen. They were gonna ask where I was going and I was going to the six, I was going to church and then that's gonna open up a massive conversation. No, this is, this is well, I guess it's, yeah. As a pastor, when you're like, oh, I'm headed to church. Oh, that's cool, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And then you just, you don't know what you're gonna get after that. It's anyone's, it's anyone's guess, anyone's game. But I've really just been trying to invite people to church. I don't know, lately I just felt like we need to invite more people. I just want, you, you have no idea who needs to come and hear the gospel. You have no idea who's lonely. You have no idea who just needs an invite. You have no idea who, who's sitting alone at church today and you thought about sitting by them and really all they needed was you to come sit by them. And so I just said, I'm going to church. When are you off? You should join me. That sounded weird. I'm a pastor, I promise. Like I was was like, no, I don't go to church anymore. I don't go to church anymore. Like, oh, I should have just told him I'm an accountant or something. (laughs) Accountants, you're wonderful and gifted. Grace by God, love you. I said, oh, why not? Oh, I just disagree with with everything the church stands for. I was like, oh. I was like, God, I, I believe that Jesus loves you. Do you agree with that? She's like, yeah, but I don't think Jesus loves everyone. It's Pride Month, you know. I don't think Jesus loves everyone. And I just said to her, listen, we may have a different, and I just, I just, honestly, friends, I just had this. I just said it the way I said it. Maybe there's even disagreement as I say in this room. I said, listen, we probably have a very different view of what a biblical sexual ethic looks like. But I promise you, God does love everyone. We can talk about that other thing. It's a long conversation, let's, talk, let's have it. But I do promise you this, 
God does love everyone. And our church will do everything we can to love every person that walks through it. I think you're right. We differ. <laughs> we differ on some stuff. But God does love you. Can I have my double shot on espresso now, please? <laughs> I didn't say that. Friends, we probably differ with people. It's true. But our God is so personal. And can I say, that's where I've, that's where I've landed on this chunk of scripture, because it's very teachy and doctrinal and one God and unity, and we're all gifted and teachers, apostles. And if you were to new to church or, or newish, this would maybe sound a little bit like really heavy and gifts and Holy Spirit. I don't know. But I just want to know that God loves me and live my life. I'm sorry, friends. He calls you to more than that. And Andy's been saying it since we started our series in Philippians, that there's a cost to this whole thing. And he paid it all. Now we receive the grace and we live out the gifting. We walk it out day by day together. You're not alone. And this is what I know when I read this. At the end of the day, I know this sermon sounds so missional, but I truly believe it's very personal. What could be more personal than a God who has created you graced you or given you grace if you would receive gifted you only to walk with you and build something bigger than you how personal is that how fatherly is that to say i i've given you everything there's not much more you could give me and not only that i want to walk with you and build something together with you every single day and all the strength you have in you is from me all that forgiveness you have is from me Let's do it together. We have to start living out our spiritual authority every single day. This is the Christian walk. And this is the change that Paul makes here. I want to make that change too. I don't want to just meet on Sundays, friends. I love this place. I love church. But this is the start of the week, not the only part of the week. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Maybe you want to just take a posture of, of openness, whatever that looks for you. Heavenly Father, I pray every person in here who has been saved by your grace would claim the spiritual gifting and authority that you have placed upon them. Lord, that they would be encouraged and challenged this week to truly live this out, to walk it out. That we, this church, would feel the urgency and the eagerness to live in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have gifted us and graced us. God, I pray grace would rise in this room with every part of us that as we feel talented and gifted by your grace, God, we would that grace would rise, that hope would rise, that belief would rise. In Jesus' mighty name, would this church be unified in every way God, where there has been division or disunity in families, I pray for unity. Where there has been division in, in idea or thought, unity. For the small group that has even just felt once in a while, man, we just can kind of butting heads. Would there be unity and peace in Jesus' name? Holy Spirit, I pray that we would claim our identity, like we have the last few weeks we've talked about it, as children of God, and now we would walk it out. So empower every heart here. Empower every mind here. Give us, Lord, the grace we need to walk it out every single day, to know that there is gifts in this room, Lord, is not, is not enough. But to live out the gifts in this room, Lord, is what you're calling us to do. So let us be a church that goes, that is missional, Lord, because you first were so personal. 
Lord, we thank you for your grace, your saving grace, and we tap into it every single day. Lord, let us live boldly. Let us stick to the truth of the gospel. Let us have a deep compassion, yet a deep commitment to who you are, Lord. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, let's sing together.